0: Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, You never know how any connection can transform your life. Welcome to episode 26 of the Excuses to Connect podcast. As someone in my early 20s, I I've recently been doing a lot of reflecting on how far I've come and also where I want to go next. It's my first year not being in school, so it's been a very interesting transition to rebuilding the structure and socializing that I normally get. Something that's also been at the forefront of my mind is figuring out my career. I've chosen the non-traditional path of pursuing entrepreneurship. So all in all, I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. My guest today has been exploring these same topics. Justin Peters is a fellow podcaster and runs a podcast called The Struggle is Real. I love this name, by the way. So on his podcast, he chats with a variety of experts on topics that are relevant to people in their 20s. In other words, he talks about the things we should have really learned more about in school but didn't. Things like personal finances, networking, relationships, and your career. Now that he's 28, we explore the important lessons that he's learned throughout this decade and what's next for him. How do you make meaningful connections when you're out of school? How do you talk with people that are twice your age? If you're currently in your 20s or know someone who's in their 20s, this podcast will be very relatable. This is The Struggle is Real, Connecting in Your 20s with Justin Peters. Well, hello, Justin. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. Richard, thanks for inviting me on, man. I'm super stoked. I'm not sure
1: if I fall in the strangers or friends category yet. Definitely not the experts, but hopefully (laughs) making the bridge between stranger and frontier.
0: Yes. Well, Justin and I have had one conversation before this, so I consider you a friend now. (laughs) And Justin's actually one of the first other podcaster that I've had on the Excuses to Connect podcast. So that's quite an honor too. So you run the the Struggle is Real podcast. I'm wondering if you could share with listeners what that show is about. Sure. And, and first, you know, I love the premise of your show. So super
1: excited to be on here. But my show is The Struggle is Real, as you mentioned. It's focused on addressing an issue each episode that young adults are going to face throughout their 20s that wasn't really discussed in the classroom. So, you know, some of the major pillars that we cover, of course, personal finance, relationships, career, and health.
0: The micro topics within inside of those four are things that I love to pursue. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I know when you first started this podcast, it was originally called the Sandbox. So, how did it transform to the Sandbox mm-hmm. to the Struggle Is Real?
1: Richard, if if you don't mind, I might take some time here to just. explain
0: the story arc of the
1: um, podcast in general, because I think this might help frame it. So in April of 2019, I bought a Yeti microphone and I was gung-ho about starting a podcast. And then from April to December, nothing happened. (laughs) It was January, 2020. And I woke up and I was making new year's resolutions. And Mm -hmm. I realized looking at my, my last year's resolutions, the starting a podcast never got crossed off, and I was also in the midst of a drop job transition. I just started a self-made sabbatical for myself, and I had somebody give me the advice to give yourself some space for a month or two. Don't really think about the career. Go mm-hmm. invest into something else. And I thought the podcast, starting a podcast, would be a perfect um, thing to really lean into. So. That was it. So January 2020 I decided I wanted to start the podcast. I called my best friend. I said, "Hey Mason, you want to be the first guest on my show?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, of course." We booked a date 6 days from then to record, and I swear I did more in those 6 days preparing the podcast than I did in the 8 months prior. <laughs> uh-huh. So so I got things going and one of those things was the name. And when I was thinking about the name, I really just thought about the project as a whole. And I was like, "You know what? This is solely a project for me to experiment and play around in, similar mm. to like a sandbox from the IT sense, like a, you know, software version of something so they can see if it breaks anything before they actually go live with it. Mm-hmm. That was it. So the goal was to do to podcast for 1 year. I committed 1 year every other week publishing an episode and at the end of that year if I didn't like it anymore, I would allow myself to graciously walk away. And of course, you guys know the story now. I ended up you know reflecting on it after 1 year and realized I absolutely love podcasting and I got a little mm-hmm. bit more serious about it really kind of thought about who my my demographic is what I'm trying to say I did a rebrand so from the sandbox so is no longer me to the struggle is real really focused on 20 somethings and the struggles that we're going to go through this defining decade
0: Mhm awesome so one thing you just mentioned, like you, you try it out for a year and you see how you would feel with it and you ended up loving it. So I'm curious, what do you love about podcasting? <laughs> to make this really timely to your podcast, one of my
1: favorite things about podcasting in general is all the interesting people I get to meet. Mm. I started originally, I would say maybe my first Actually, the first person I had on my show was episode seven. She was the first person I had on my show that I didn't know. So my first Mm -hmm. six um, episodes were all either friends or secondary degree connections of people that I I knew. And even Mm -hmm. after seven, I had a few more people that I knew. I would say around the middle teens, probably 13, 14 my immediate circle kind of ran out and I started getting pitched from other people to be on the show. Other guests started recommending people. So I ended up meeting like a bunch of random people. And really from 15 on, I, all of my guests have been people that I just met recently, or we were running in some kind of circle, but I wouldn't say they were a really close friend or, or family member. So that's my favorite part. I love hearing people's stories. I'm a really deep researcher and interviewer based podcaster. So I Mm -hmm. end up knowing a ton about this person whenever we end up having typically our second or third conversation. I kind of like that piece to it, honestly.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So from the fifth, after your seventh guest and onward, like you've met all these wonderful people. And by the time of our recording, they'll, you'll have over 52 episodes published. So what are the main things that you've learned from all those guests?
1: Hmm. It's a good question. I've learned tons of things. I I say my my shows are usually twofold. They're either really focused on some very specific tactical advice. So what 20-somethings need to know about taxes in their 20s. Or I talk about kind of life philosophy, maybe more macro topics with inside of there. So it might be loneliness and what somebody can do around loneliness or how to, you know, what, what do you want to do with your life in the future? Things like that, like really kind of existential questions Mm -hmm. in a theme that I, a theme that I've seen in my podcast guest and something that I realized I was pursuing or trying to understand as well. Was this like, 30s deadline that so many Mm -hmm. 20 somethings are up against. They feel like if they're not, you know, the self made millionaire by 30 or married with two kids by 30 or a vice president at my, you know, dream company, then they're a failure. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) to understand, and especially some of my older guests to listen to their line of thinking in in their 20s and where they're at now and how just some of their values shaped and even what their focus should have been in their 20s, I thought was really interesting. And that gave me a Mm -hmm. lot of relief. And I've, with that kind of pulled back a little bit as well and kind of really thought, what do I want for my 20s? And also realizing
0: there's life after 30. (laughs) Yeah. You still have a whole life ahead of you. Yeah. (laughs) Because when we first chatted, like in our first conversation together, you mentioned how your life has transformed significantly, like when you entered as a 20 year old and where you're Mm -hmm. at now as a 28 year old. So i wonder if you could share with listeners too, that- transformation you've had over your twenties. Yeah. I mean, uh, walking into my twenties, I was in the midst of college
1: right now. I was focused on playing soccer and you know, chasing girls. And I've always been like really aligned with personal development or self-improvement. That's Mm. always been in my nature, but maybe just a little like chaotic where that energy was going. My twenties, it's been really interesting. I think a lot of 20 year olds go through this where they feel like they have a sense of identity in college and they get out of college and things start changing and they change rapidly. Like you Mm -hmm. go from a college setting into some kind of working environment. You, some of your friends start to move away or you move away. You Mm -hmm. maybe settle into a long-term relationship and that kind of changes some of your value sets. Like maybe you know, something as simple. And I I think majority of people kind of lose excitement around going out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, you know, their focus might be on being the best they can or showing up the best they can at work or really investing in this relationship that they have or spending more time with family. So I think some of that has been a change for me, not (laughs) thinking I knew who I was, then that really, that thought getting blown up. And now I'm in this midst of really trying to figure out what do I want to be? What do I value? Where is my life headed? What impact do you want to lead on the world? And that's still something I'm kind of swirling around with sometimes. I'm like, what is it like my impact? And when I was walking into my twenties was just winning our divisional soccer title. Like and right. now I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah. Cool. It's, I mean, I relate to so much of what you said, cause I'm a 20 something as well and graduated from university a few months ago. So I have been going through those changes, those reflections on my identity and who I want to be. And I, I remember this story earlier in my life too. I think I was like 15 or 16. I have some cousins that are older than me in in their twenties. And I I remember talking to them, was like, Hey, you have everything figured out, right? And they just looked at me. It's like, no, Richard, we, we're we're still trying to figure it out as well. And now, now that I'm in their shoes, I understand totally what they're saying. Because I used to have the perception that, you know, ad- adults have it all figured out. I always thought, I always thought like 25 when I was like a
1: teenager, I always thought like 25 was super old and, and you're yeah. right. Like they had life figured out. And then I realized, okay, mid-20s don't. Whenever I like, you know, got into college, I'm like, eh, I'm not sure if all of them do. I know a couple people that are like, just graduated that are still trying to figure it all out. They're shown back up at, at some college parties. And I could tell they're, they're kind of searching. So I'm like, but adults, they know it like the 30 plus <laughs> they, they know what's going on. And then right. I started working and I, you know, spent so much time with people twice my age typically. And I've realized nobody's got it figured out yet. So yeah. We go through these ups and down cycles of like feeling really secure about what we're doing with our life and then not feeling really secure about what we're doing with our life.
0: hmm Yeah. And following this thread, because your podcast is on teaching people these like practical skills and like more philosophical mindsets around becoming an adult or adulting. So I'm curious in your words, what is, what does it mean to be an adult? Hmm. That's a really good question. I haven't been
1: asked that before. I think what a lot of us want in terms of the label of being an adult is just being able to take care of ourselves and Start to take care of others as well. I, you know, me as a teenager, thinking about late high school, and then getting to see my little brother go through the same, same growth path as well. And and that was really that. That's a lot of my silver lining, or, or you know, that's really my impetus behind the show. I really think about my little brother because most of my conversations that I'm having with my guests stem from some kind of Sunday conversation I've had with my brother. Like him and I, mm-hmm. he'll mm-hmm. just like we'll hop on the phone and we'll talk for a couple hours, and he'll tell me about like the things that he's going through and there's usually super relatable. And I'm like, yeah, I totally understand that. I either went through that and, or I'm going through that. And then I realized, you know what, Kyle, I don't know if I have the right advice, but let me see if I can find someone that has the, adv- has some good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's kind of where this, the story or the, the, the podcast grew or evolved into, but to get back to your original question about defining yourself as an adult, I don't know. Like I said, I Mm -hmm. think first and foremost, taking care of yourself. I I have a lot of people that are asking about finances typically to me. So I center some of that and and getting that house taken care of. People want to feel excited about their career as well. So maybe it's just kind of this divide and being okay with letting childhood in your teenage years, and your college years go. And people want to be excited about the person they're becoming in their adulthood. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I want to flip the question back to you.
0: Yeah, I feel like your answer—you're not quite sure—I think is safe for me as well, which is not necessarily a bad thing because I think it is a very fluid, subjective thing for people to figure out what does it mean to be an adult for them. I guess the thing that I don't want to so- associate with being an adult is that I need to be serious all the time. Yeah. I think that's one misconception. Is like, oh, being an adult is burdened with all these responsibilities. You can never have fun and play anymore which does not sound very happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think it's important for me to still bring that sort of levity and humor as I continue to grow up as well. Obviously there's more responsibilities that come with being an adult in terms of taking care of myself and others. But I think maintaining and cultivating that inner child is quite important as I grow up as well. So yeah, I, I'm still trying I, to figure it out too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and
1: yeah. I really hope that people like a lot of what my podcast is too, is this hope that I want to get you excited about your future. I don't want you, mm-hmm. I don't want listeners looking back and thinking their best years are behind them yeah. now that they're through high school and done with college, you know, that their life is just this endless wake up, go to my nine to five, come back, make dinner, fall asleep, cycle, yeah. nothing going, not, nothing exciting. I, I actually have had a lot of fun post-college, maybe even more fun than I had. I also hear a lot of people def- define their 30s as it's your 20s just with money. <laughs> and and, and yeah. that's, that's kind of a great thing too. I had no resources really at hand whenever I was younger. I didn't really mm-hmm. like have enough cash to do some really fun things, like take some trips. I could only take like one or maybe two trips a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's now that I have my values defined around what brings me joy in terms of spending money, I Mm. try not to think too much or think twice about spending that money because I know I have plenty of it. So like, for example, I really love music festivals Mm. and I have, you know, my budget covers three music festivals. Let's call it like $500 a pop, $1,500. I set aside for that. But if another music music festival popped up on my radar this year, and, right. um, you know, my little brother was going or some, you know, my, my festival crew was going with me. I probably wouldn't think twice about buying it, even though I might go over on that budget because mm-hmm. I'm doing the right things there. I have the resources. And as you mentioned, play and fun should not evaporate once you get into quote, quote, being an adult. Yeah,
0: for sure. I think one thing I got from what you had just said too, is this idea of independence and freedom as you grow up. Because when you are younger, yes, I am dependent on my parents because it's not like I have enough of a salary to afford all these things. But as you grow up, there's more of that independence and freedom, which I've really enjoyed. Circling back to this thread as well of growing up and this sort of transition out of college/slash university into post-college and university, one thing I've experienced is the changing of relationships. Because when I'm in that college environment, you know, I see these people Monday to Friday. And weekends too sometimes. And so it's really easy in that environment to make connections. And one thing I've noticed after I've graduated is a lot of those people I still don't, I don't stay in touch with anymore. And my mm-hmm. relationships have changed. So I'm curious, what do you have to say about connections for 20 somethings? <laughs> yeah, I think auditing where you
1: felt like your social life was at its peak would be a good place to start. And what I mean by that is think about if you're thinking like, Oh, the most amount of friends I had, if that, if that's what's important to you around connection, we can probably debate that topic, but let's just use that as a flag post right now. If the amount of friends or, you know, maybe even let's narrow in a little bit close friends is, is your peak of social and people are kind of looking to college as maybe that moment, what were you doing then? You were investing a lot of time into those relationships, but it didn't feel overwhelming. Like maybe that, that same transaction or activity feels like in your mid to late twenties as well. But if you looked at it, it's because you were, you know, for me, part of a sports team, maybe Mm -hmm. you were in a fraternity, maybe you were in some other social clubs, you were showing up to a routine classroom every single time. I think if you extrapolate that theme and bring that into your current life as well like what do you love to do currently and can you create some kind of social collaboration or social group around that as well so if you're somebody that you know now in your mid to late 20s and you're like health and wellness is important to me and i want to go to the gym or i want to go for a run and i don't have time to make friends maybe you can take a step back and think hmm Can I incorporate friends or friendships into that same activity? There's so many Mm -hmm. people out there, me included, that would totally love to have more gym buddies or more climbing buddies or soccer buddies. I join pickup soccer groups and, like, I'm killing two birds with one stone there. And then, same, you know, you're a part of some social groups as well, spending some more time doing that, even looking to work and being like, how can I create some social dynamics at work as well? Maybe you go and join some of the social committees. And if there's not a social committee, go to your HR person or the owner of the company and be like, Hey, I'd really love to to start one of these groups up. I just want to create right. some, some times to hang out after work or even maybe even during work hours, or maybe you make a book club. You got to mm-hmm. create opportunities for yourself to stay connected with certain people and have shared interest in over, over something. So like I said, mm-hmm. if it was now, for me, I don't know if like going to a photography meetup would be where I'd find my tribe. It's just not like what I want to do, yeah. but potentially going to a book club and starting a book club, I would find a lot of people that I'd probably really connect with. Well,
0: mm-hmm. I'd love a photography meetup. <laughs> <That's within my laughs> I was about interest. to say, you, you probably would, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I love this point about not just sort of sitting around and waiting for something to happen, that people have the power to go out and seek or create these opportunities if they don't already exist, which very much resonates with me because you can go find excuses to connect. You you, you don't (laughs) don't have to wait around for it. I'm curious then, one one word we had chatted about before too, uh, before this conversation was around serendipity. And I'm curious, how can you create those moments or put yourself in an environment where those moments of serendipity can occur. And if you have a story of how that's happened to you before.
1: Yeah. I, I think some of my best relationships have come from serendipitous moments and, you know, honestly, I'm not sure if you have to put a lot of thought or energy around creating Mm -hmm. those opportunities, you just have to act on those opportunities. So for example, I love Whenever I walk into a party and maybe it's a group of people. So I was um, out over Christmas break, um, winter break, I guess. I'm still referring to that, but I, I did do some work yeah. <laughs> uh, during that time. Sure. But I was out and about. Um, I was at a bar crawl and I was with a core group of people that I've known for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it would have been really easy for me to spend that entire day with that core group. But there were so many. Fringe or peripheral people that were kind of on the edge of our group. It could have been another group that was right next to us hanging out there. It might have been someone that came over because they knew someone in the group. And for me, those kind of moments get me really excited because that gives me another opportunity to meet somebody interesting and/or to introduce somebody else to somebody I know too. So I ran mm-hmm. into a couple of people that I knew there, and it was fun to, you know, bring her in uh, and be like, hey, like. Sarah, you should meet Bree. Bree's a really cool person. She lives here in St. Louis. I don't anymore, but I think you two would really bond over X, Y, Z. So helping facilitate some of those things. But also I just, I ran into to somebody that I I ended up telling about the podcast. Hopefully he listens about the podcast now, but we've been, we had a follow-up conversation about it too. It was once again, getting outside your comfort zone a little bit and, and stretching there and just being like, huh. That person seems interesting. And not to say you have to do it every single time because it can be exhausting. Like sometimes you just want to hang out with friends. Like you're going out, you want to hang with your
0: friends. But when you can, take some of those moments as opportunities. Right. Yes, definitely. Because I I believe you you never know where you can run into people and what might evolve from that relationship. It might just be a one-time thing or it might turn to your best friend, like a few years yeah. later. Well, so. you, you, you were really
1: interesting. So we met through a mutual friend, Alex Williams. And right. you met him
0: because of this kind of serendipitous moment.
1: Have you talked about it on the podcast at all?
0: No. Yeah, I can talk about it now. So I'm in Calgary and Alex is in Calgary as well. And one of my interests is D&D, which is Dungeons and Dragons. It's a tabletop game. And one of the local board game cafes host drop in D and D. And so I had signed up, I had emailed the manager and say, Hey, I'm coming just to reserve my spot there. And I arrived. The the people at the front till were like, your name's not here. And I showed them my email. It's like, I did register. But anyway, they said the table's already full. So sorry. Sorry about that. Hopefully you can come again next time. So my night was sort of ruined. I'm like, okay, what, what else could I do this evening? I remember that there's an information session going on for something called Rotary, which is a service-oriented organization. It's international. And so I went to that. After attending, I, I like, this is a good fit for me. This is a place where I can meet new people and connect with them as well. So ended up joining. And then Alex was a podcaster. I was a podcaster. So we naturally connected over that. And as on his podcast to be released soon. <laughs> and he introduced me to you. And then yeah. Justin, you've introduced me to other people too. So it's just like this whole web of connections. Yes. So that's just how it happens. It's like I guess for listeners, like you never know just meeting one one person then exposes you to their whole network and more people you could potentially connect with as well. No doubt. I love that story too, because
1: myself included i think a majority of us would have walked in super excited to play dnd so bummed that somebody messed up the, the 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 table setting piece to it or didn't get you know system failed or whatever yeah. and i probably would have turned around drove home came back plopped on my couch and watched something on netflix right. and instead you're like mm, i'm out and about i might as well make an opportunity of this yeah yeah Yeah,
0: for sure. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. One way I like to envision all these connections, it's sort of like you're standing at an intersection and you choose to go down one path and then that comes to another intersection. You go down another path. And so there's like this whole branching system where you thought you were going one direction, but really you've through a series of left and right turns, you've ended in a a completely different place. And I think that's something that's very fascinating with life. Mm, Love that. And still on this topic of connection, so before you're talking about connecting with peers through like common interests and that sort of stuff, uh, I know one thing you mentioned to me is like when you first started your professional career that you struggled to communicate and relate to colleagues that were twice your age because you they're sort of run into awkward silences when trying to make small talks. I wonder if you could share listeners to listeners about that perspective.
1: I still struggle with this sometimes. And not many people that are twice my age, you get that stall in a conversation and you're like, freeze up. I always just default to asking questions, but to go Mm. back to your original question too. So I started working for an insurance brokerage at 19 Mm. years old. I was a business intern there and just imagine an insurance brokerage. Everybody was like 55 plus. So Mm -hmm. I was fish out of water there. I think there was Maybe like two or three other people in, in an organization of two hundred people that were under the age of thirty. So I had really slim pickings in terms of like finding people that demographically really are pretty close to me. Right. And there's the weather; that's always easy. But that 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 conversation quickly stalls. Yeah, I found I also found that people love to talk about their kids, but I didn't really have any input into that. I love to ask about them and, and hear yeah. some of the fun stories that were going on. I like, I've always imagined myself being like cheaper by the dozen, having 12 kids. So it was like always fun to like hear these chaotic stories and whatnot. And then there was like world events and politics and this whole sphere, like yeah. adult topics that people that are that age are like interested in. And rather than turning them to, to me for my interest, I leaned in and turned to their interests, this is actually probably how I got started in podcasting because I realized, and I was like, man, I don't know anything about like what's going on in the world, even Mm in the U S and let alone like St. Louis. So I just started listening to NPR talk radio on my commute into work every day. So like six 30, whatever it was, and started picking some things up. And then I could like ask intelligent questions to them or like, what's your opinion on what's happening in X, Y, Z, or, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? And it always sparked really interesting conversations. And then talk radio turned into podcasting. I found podcasting. And I was like, "What is podcasting?" And then started listening to podcasting. I'm like, "Holy cow! I love this medium." Like I'm an audio learner. I did not realize that. I always struggled to read. You know, it was, it was just a painful process. And I did it just because, like, I wanted once again aligned with self development. But I found podcasting. I'm like, I absolutely love this. So really dove into podcasting. And then a couple of years after that, realized, man. I want to create in this space as well. <laughs> so here I am two years later, uh podcast, podcast host, but probably attribute that to just feeling like a fish out of water, 19, 20 year old sitting in meetings with people two, sometimes three times my age, talking about things that weren't on my radar whatsoever.
0: <laughs> right. I'm curious to, to hear about your thoughts between transitioning between small talk to having deeper conversations, or there's this other Ted talk speaker who calls it big talk instead of small talk. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Like how you were able to deepen the conversations you had with these people that are much older than you? Sure.
1: If I were to give a framework for it, I think you can transition between what and why's. And mm-hmm. what I mean between that is, you know, I can ask a question to you like, oh, what's your podcast about? And then you would respond. And I'd be like, Oh, why, why do you cover that topic? Or like, right. and about that. So I think, I think if you think about that dynamic, you can get into some deeper conversations, right? The workplace place maybe isn't always appropriate to have these deep conversations, but I mm-hmm. think everybody appreciates it. And honestly, I think people just want to be listened to and understood So once again, if you're looking for some tactical things, the what, why, and reflective um, questions back like, oh, so your podcast is about creating opportunities or giving people permission to go out and connect with other people. Why Mm -hmm. is that important? And then that signals to you, oh, he really understands what I'm trying to get at with my podcast and allows you to get a little bit deeper into it. And then, Mm -hmm. like I said, when you ask a question, just zip it and listen. Like, (laughs) like that's honestly, it's probably the best trait that I've learned with podcasting is, is how to be a better listener and, and, and return how to be a better conversationalist. But, but yeah, I think that's where I would guide people if, if they're that. And (laughs) honestly, I think it's always easier to ask questions to be, than to be asked questions. (laughs) So once again, if you're trying to avoid awkward silence, then just continue to ask questions, give your feedback. And then reframe it and and hand it back off to the next person. But don't be afraid to to get away from the what's and ask a little bit more of the why's. I think that's going to give you a little bit more of this big talk now.
0: Mm -hmm. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, because part of, I think, really good conversation is uh, this interesting dance, even this back and forth between talking and listening with the other person. Because if in your mind, all you're trying to do is feel the silence or thinking of the next thing to say rather than really listening. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the barriers to connecting. If you just bring your curiosity and really wanting to understand the person's story, what makes them tick, like what are their whys? I think that can lead to a lot deeper connection. So love what you, yeah. you had to and say. You've had so
1: that. much, so much practice talking. I think some people yeah. get nervous to to talk, but like we've been talking since what I don't know, two, one and a half, whatever. You've had so much. Think about some of the best conversations that you've Mm -hmm. had and try to pull those away. And just because you're meeting someone for the first time doesn't mean they're not open to engaging in those kind of conversations as well. And, or sometimes maybe it's not the right time. You just met someone and you you got five or 10 minutes, but continue to build on that relationship as well. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. I, I just think, I think just being there and engaged in it and you know having this great volley of back and forth mm-hmm. I, I, that's that lights me up man i just i my favorite thing if i like this question around like what's an ordinary moment in life that gives you real joy and one of my favorite favorite things to do is to meet someone new and just have like a really deep enriching conversation for like an hour where like people are like you know molly introduces you to Jacqueline and she hangs around there because she's like, I don't want to like leave my best friend with a stranger like like even though I think you guys would hit it off and yeah. then I love it when like you know Jacqueline and I are just so enthusiastic and engaged in our conversation when Molly's like I think they got it I'm out and then she comes back like 30 45 minutes later and she's like hey Jacqueline like wrapping up here like you want to leave and then like I'm like I'll let you go I'm really sorry for <laughs> hanging on to you like yeah. I really want to connect. Let's, let's, let's
0: stay, let's stay in touch. Those are like my absolute favorite, favorite moments to have. I agree too. It's very energized. I mean, that's really what I want at the end of the day. (laughs) Because if I were to summarize my life in one sentence, I'd be wanting to create great memories with great people and like sharing Mm. that quality, quality time with others. I think it's super important. Do you identify as a extrovert or an introvert? That's an interesting question. (laughs) Um, Introvert. Actually, so I I guess the reason I give that definition is that even though I am still energized and love connecting with people, I find that I still need my alone time to Mm. recharge. And while I can be the center of attention, I'm comfortable with like public speaking, that sort of stuff. I don't crave it. And I don't like actively seek it out. (laughs) Say I'm at a party, for example, right? Really, my preference is to have one-on-one conversations with people still literally. So yeah, I would say I'm an introvert, but I'm still quite social and wanting to connect with people. Mm, that's how about, interesting. How about yourself?
1: Um, I probably lean a little bit more extrovert, I would say. I think I am sliding towards introvert like you too. I, I used to like love to be wherever the energy of a party was, like in the midst of it. And now I have been sliding more so towards like once again, really engaging one-on-one conversations, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm flip typically. And I, I work from home too. So like, it's usually I'm the opposite. Like my girlfriend's like ready to get home and take her shoes off and not deal with anybody and just like watch her show and edit her pictures. Cause she's a photographer and I'm like, get done with work. And I'm ready to like go out and see people. Cause like, I feel right. low energy. So right. I guess I would probably identify more as an extrovert, but yes. Yes. Like everybody, sometimes I just need my alone time too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's good that you've shared your perspective and I've shared my perspective because one thing I I really want to clarify for folks is like introversion does not equal shy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Introversion, like it's not this bad thing and it doesn't mean that extrovert is automatically a good thing either necessarily. It's like whether you're an introvert or extrovert somewhere in the middle, it's like, you can still connect with people. It's just yep. how your energy and your like natural default mode is just different. It doesn't hamper you from connecting with people. So you should,
1: I, I know you're, you're having Kelly Hoey on your show too. You should ask her about if she believes extroverts or introverts are better networkers because she, she, spoiler does believe that introverts are better networkers and that might be a good thing to flush out a little bit. Cause I was like, yeah, I honestly, I think introverts just because of the stereotype feel like they aren't good at connecting, but I've found it's, they're honestly typically better because they can be engaged in a conversation and not flighty and like ready to like move
0: on. <laughs> yeah. I I'll definitely ask her that. I can see why as well. Cause like I would say I'm quiet, but that's because I'm listening. <laughs> like I care a lot about listening, engaging with other people rather than talking all or talking over people or talking all the time. So I think that's one trait that supports introverts with connecting. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered lots of amazing material and hopefully the audience has lots of valuable takeaways for them. And for you looking forward into your thirties, I'm curious, what will that mean for you? What will that, look like? I don't know, man. I'm scared.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be scared. Cause I preach. I, I I preach that like, there's not this deadline. Um, yeah. when you get to 30, I, I think if I were to look at it from a macro lens, I want to make my thirties even more exciting than my twenties. And I've had some amazing moments already in my twenties and I still have two years to live through it, but I, so I really, really believe that my future is way more exciting than what my past is so i want to continue that mindset and make sure that i bring that into my 30s it's got to have its ups and downs but that's the beauty of life i i mean if you were humming around five or six on your level all the time like you won't be excited you wouldn't be excited not to say that you need to live in the one two and three for very long but but that journey i think is really exciting for me i hope to continue to connect with interesting people to support People that are going through this transformative decade, so to continue to to lean and and give support to people to make sure that they are just as ex- excited about their future and feel well equipped for their future.
0: Hmm. Awesome. Well, you can continue your the struggle is real podcast because I think it'll still you'll still be struggling. It'll still be yep. real in your thirties, <laughs> or you might create a new name of it. Who knows? But. For listeners that want to listen to your podcast or just connect with you personally to send you a message, where would you want to direct listeners to find you?
1: Sure. Yeah, if you want to listen to the podcast, flip over to your favorite podcast player and just type in The Struggle is Real with Justin Peters. Pick an episode, you know, that I... I just recently uh, released, you know, just find a topic that might be interesting to you. I challenge you just download it and listen to it. And if you're somebody that that finds it valuable, feel free and and go binge the the catalog. And then if you want to connect with me personally, Easiest way to do that's through Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. And so find me on Instagram, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you if you're listening to this right now, uh, a favorite takeaway or something Richard has, has talked about in one of his um, recent episodes that, that really excites you. I'd love to engage with you and I, I love meeting new people. So feel free to send me a message there.
0: Awesome. Yes. And I'll make sure to link to those in the description of the podcast for cool. listeners to find. So if you had a final message or takeaway you'd like to share with listeners, what would that be? I'll keep it on the theme
1: of connection. And I just want to share a reminder. And especially in this day and age where the last year and a half, two years has been a struggle for a lot of us, especially in terms of connecting and Mm -hmm. socializing, I'm guessing a lot of us are feeling more social anxiety. And I just want to give you a reminder that everybody is feeling that. So if you are walking into a party and maybe it's been a little while since you've had a conversation with a stranger, you can probably assume that it's probably been a little while that they've had a conversation with a stranger as well. But just like you're excited to meet new people, they're excited to meet new people. So don't let that thought hold you back from engaging with them. Really walk up to them, even call it out if you want to call it out. Like, you know, Hey, who are you? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Justin. Nice to meet you, Richard. I'm kind of nervous about this. It's been so long since I met somebody new, you know, tell me a little bit about you and just start it off like that. Just like voice it out there and let it go and, and let the
0: energy of that go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you state it that way, anyway, it makes it much more relatable. <laughs> it would probably help the other person to relax as well. Yes. <laughs> so awesome there's so many valuable takeaways that you've shared on today's conversation. So I'm so glad that you, you got to be on the excuses to connect podcast and yeah, just share all your valuable insights. And definitely I encourage listeners to reach out to, to Justin. So thanks. Thanks again for being on the
1: podcast, Justin. Richard, it's been an absolute blast. I'm so excited to have met you and thank you for, for allowing me to come on your platform. I'm really excited to to stay connected with you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember to check out the show notes of the episode, where you can find a link to my website, excuses2connect.com. There you can find out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. This is a website that supports content creators, where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.